Welcome to Cody and Gold here on 610 Sports Radio. On today's show, a man down early in Phoenix. We will talk to the owner of the Chiefs, Clark Hunt, and a very special anniversary here on February the 7th. Now a man who I don't have anything witty to say about because I just sat down. Cody Tapp. Welcome in to Cody and Gold live from Radio Row oh, here in Phoenix. We are going day. to be here for four hours. And by we, I mean me and Nick. Man down. Man Tuesday. Down. And we've already <laughs> lost Alex oh, Gold. No. Oh. I don't like saying it like that because he didn't do anything wrong. And I know he wants to be here. It's, uh, but he's not here. He's not here. And he wasn't with us last normally, night on media night. Normally we would make fun of him in situations like this, or if you were gone, we would make fun of you or me. But um, I really don't want to give Alex a hard time because I know it, it's gutting him, literally. He, is, he wants to be here so bad that he is back at the Airbnb puking his guts out. In honor of In honor of, of how much show. So the only thing we'll ask for you today, we won't give Alex too hard of a time because he does really want to be here for the show. But unfortunately, Al, Nick and I were like, if you don't leave, I'm going to Basically. forcibly remove you from this building. Basically, yeah. I'm going to tell security you have a weapon or something. Like, I'm going to get you out of here one way or the other. So you can either leave voluntarily or you can leave not under your own free will. So we sent Alex home. So that hashtag you want to send to him on Twitter to make the well wishes are RIP Alex. It's okay. He is alive, to be clear. But, you know, for today, he's not. He's a little dead on the inside today. Is that right? Uh, so yeah. On Twitter, R.I.P. Alex. Just let him know that you're you're sad he's not able to make it today. But that we're looking forward to talking to him tomorrow on Radio Row. What a time to get sick, you know. And it and it makes me <laughs> gotten sick literally any time. And, and it makes me be Arizona. honest with you, it makes me a little nervous that you know that's. You think the clock started? Yeah, I I was. I mean, he started getting sick last night, so I woke up today thinking, okay, let's just get through today. And you're always like, how do I feel? I mean, yeah, I feel okay. I feel fine right now. Same. But you got to be honest. You're a little bit worried about what's going to happen, aren't you? Yes. You're a little bit concerned about how that thing's going to go down. If you know your tummy starts to hurt a little bit later, and then all of a sudden, Nick, <laughs> you're not going to. Is be that what so. it started? No, he, he started getting the aches. He started getting aches. He said he wasn't hungry, and then uh, and then the chills began, and then we ditched him last night so we could go to media night, and then he said the puking began, and then he said he tried to drink some Pedialyte, and that also didn't stay down. Also, all of this is probably HIPAA, just to be very clear. I'm giving a very, very detailed list yeah, of it's very Alex's hip-hop. medical history right now. I will say, I'll give Alex credit, and this will endear him to Chiefs fans everywhere, is the fact that he said last night, we know we did the big media day thing where all you get to talk to all the players. This is true. And he said, I don't want to go because I don't want to get any of the Chiefs players sick. I respect it. He didn't really care about getting us sick. No, he was not worried about that in any way. No, but he said, I don't want to get any of the Chiefs players sick. So, I mean, I think all Chiefs fans are indebted to Alex for... For not getting any Chiefs players sick. Think about how many guys. All of a sudden, if you had seen Wednesday, stomach flu going around the Chiefs facility. Oh, my God, dude. And and we knew it was Alex. He was the carrier. Oh, dude, it's over. He'd never recover. He'd have to quit. He'd have to quit his job in the city and have to move, Nick. That's really what this comes You'd down to. You'd make him quit? No, he'd have to. You think he would just get blackballed? The people. The people would make him quit. Not me. He'd just get run out of town. Yeah. They would just demand his absence. Yeah. Demand that he leave. 
Despite Alex's absence, we do still have a big show planned for you today. We're going to hear from Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid coming up at the 11 o'clock hour. CEO Clark Hunt, you know, heard of him, Nick? He's the he's, He owns the team. I'm familiar. He'll be joining us at 1045. We'll have Ryan Leaf join us as well at 11 o'clock. So plenty of stuff planned for the show today. We're sad Alex can't make it, but the show must go on from Radio Row it must. here in Phoenix. One way or the other, man. It sucks. Do you think he's listening right now? Something tells me Alex is just like laying there with a bowl next to the bed, tuning into the first few minutes of the show, seeing how we're handling it. I would think he's probably listening or he's, you know, uh, in the fetal position next to the toilet in the bathroom. That could also be. Those both seem bad. Those both seem very, very bad. Well, welcome to the show. Either way, we got plenty of Chief stuff to talk about, and I think that that's kind of where we lead things off a little bit, Nick, to a point that you had made in passing. Honestly, on one of our mini car rides back and forth to Radio Row here at the Phoenix Convention Center, you had very simply asked this question. Do the Chiefs have the three best players on the entire field right now? And I saw a list from CBSSports.com where they ranked every Super Bowl starter from both teams from the level of quality of play they are. And you know what they had? Number one, Patrick Mahomes. Number two, Travis Kelsey. And number three, Chris Jones. All right, so it's final. Who, what do we want to talk about next? But I was trying to decide if I actually believe that or if that's the Kansas City in me. And then I realized that you wouldn't draft any of the Eagles players at those positions over. And what we're talking about right now is three Hall of Famers, well, or two Hall of Famers, and Chris Jones, who's been the most dominant defensive player in the NFL this year. And who do I take next? Because if you're making me draft an Eagle, it's just the best player if we're taking position out of it. No, but uh, Jason no, Kelsey's no, their no, best player. No, but that's not that's not the conversation. We're not we're not you, nobody's drafting a center fourth overall. We're having a no, conversation about the four or the the three best players on the field. And in that conversation, positional value matters. So Patrick Mahomes, quarterback, no. Well then Jalen Hurts would be two. You wouldn't take Travis Kelsey before Jalen Hurts. You wouldn't have a quarterback. Like, by that argument, you automatically take Jalen Hurts second. He's not the second-best player. Travis Kelsey's a better player than Jalen Hurts, but you would take him second. If you take the quarterbacks out of play— Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are you sure? Yeah, man. I mean, not if you're the Chiefs. You don't take two quarterbacks, although you probably do, because then you're like, now you have nobody. Ha! Good luck starting Gardner Minshew. We've got them both. Okay, that's fine. We can do this. But but it's tough for me with Travis Kelsey because he's a center. Like, even in that— even in that point, I would probably go with Hassan Reddick of Philadelphia because he's a pass rusher. That's a premium position. I would rather have Hassan Reddick, a guy who can get you double-digit sacks, than Jason Kelsey, bless his heart, but he's a center. Creed Humphrey might be the second-best center. Are we going to take him fifth? <laughs> no, but he's on the list. He's one of the best players. Like, doesn't that matter for something? I mean, if we're – like, look, you would ask the question, are the three best players? If you put it just simply like that, The most talented players, I actually think you're right. Like, the text line is already saying, hey, give me, you know, give me Lane Johnson instead of Chris Jones. Man, are you sure? You sure you'd rather have Lane? Lane Johnson's a very good offensive lineman. Are you sure you'd rather have him than Chris Jones? Chris Jones has been a defensive player of the year candidate. I continue to make the argument he should have won defensive player of the year. He was the best player on the field in an AFC championship game. I don't think I'm ever going to feel that way about Lane Johnson. And I know for a fact I feel that way about Chris Jones. Look, Mahomes and Kelsey speak for themselves. We know they're the two best players on the field. I don't think there's even any mystery in that. Before, and, and you don't even have to have this like weirdo positional value conversation about it. 
because turns out tight ends who are superstar wide receivers have positional value. Yeah, exactly. And the, and, and the way that I view those three players, and we, we, we microanalyze the Chiefs because we watch all their games, and I'm sure there's Philly fans out there that would say the same thing about maybe a guy like Hassan Reddick. But with those top three, Mahomes, Kelsey, and Jones, there have been multiple instances. With Mahomes, we don't even have to get into it because there have been so many. But with Kelsey and Jones, there have been stretches of games, multiple games throughout the season where they have single-handedly took over the game. We just saw it with Chris Jones last uh, two Sundays ago against Cincinnati. He took over the game in the fourth quarter and won the Chiefs the game. Yeah, Chris did. Jones is the single biggest reason why the Chiefs beat the Bengals. You don't get that with a center. No, right? but Hassan Reddick might have been that one of the single le- biggest reasons right that the Eagles got where they are. He's got 19 sacks between the regular season and the postseason this year. He's been one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL this year. But the problem is Hassan Reddick, it's like I got three years of average, like below average, well below average play. And then the last three years he's been a double-digit sack guy. So I guess he's that now. Like, I can't factor in what he was his first three years. He is clearly one of the premium defensive ends or pass rushers in the NFL at this point. He had 16 and a half sacks this year. He had more than Chris Jones did. The difference is Chris Jones did it from the interior. And I know that he played some on the outside, but that has to factor into some part of this conversation. What's amazing is, like, as much as I do think this is where we get into the conversation, Nick, between the two of who has the best roster and who has the best roster top end talent. One through 53, it is the Philadelphia Eagles. One through ten on both teams, I'd take the Chiefs. Like, if you're just saying, give me their ten best players, give me your ten best players, let's go up against each other. And we take out positional value. It's the Chiefs. I get Chris Jones, we get the same guy at center, right? We both have all pro centers. Cool, we're set there. So it's like, those guys are set. They, you know, you get Travis Kelsey, they get A.J. Brown, you're like, okay, I'll take Travis Kelsey. You get Mahomes, they get Hurts, okay, you win that situation. Right, And then even like if you want to like take guard or like anywhere you can parse this down, they're going to have some advantages on the defensive line. There's no doubt about it. But the Chiefs have the better 1 through 10. I just don't think they have the best 53. But I, I, in Super Bowls, in AFC title games, I don't know how many times I've looked through this. I'm not saying 53 guys don't matter because it just matters for the Chiefs in the AFC title game to be able to go pretty deep into that. But Marcus Kemp is not the reason why they won. They just had to have Marcus Kemp to keep playing the game. The reason they won was Chris Jones, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. It's it's stars, man. It's always stars in these moments. And the Chiefs have any number of them. Well, you know what they say, Cody. They say it's a star-driven league. I say that at least. You I don't, do. I don't think That's enough, what you say? I don't think enough people recognize that. I, I'm with you, but then you see... is Cody and Gold, brought to you by Gan Asphalt and Concrete. For asphalt, concrete, and parking lot maintenance, Gan Asphalt and Concrete. One contractor, all things parking lot. Trusted yeah. in Kansas City since 1994. Online at gannasphalt.com. Don't miss Royals first baseman slash NFL insider, Vinny Pasquantino. This football season with Cody and Gold. My Twitter is about to unload a football <laughs> tweets. First Jets game that I have free on Sunday. It's, it's go time. 610 yeah, Sports man. Radio. Bet MGM, an official sport. 
All right, well, we're back. We don't know what happened. Jed said we mysteriously left. Are we back, Jed? Are we here? Are we real? Whew, what a scary moment that must have been for everybody. They must have thought that we went the way of Alex and that Nick needed time off of the show. Like, he immediately got a stomach bug. But when you're talking about, like, where the roster is. I don't even know where we cut off. Ah, we were talking about Chris Jones and some of the other players that come in there. I understand what you're saying. Like, Jalen Watson, you normally consider an end-of-the-roster guy. But he's not an end-of-the-roster guy for them anymore, you know? Whether we talk about that or any of these other guys who have stepped up in this last minute, I think that's still why people have a harder time imagining Kansas City has the better roster because of those things. One guy that I do want to talk about, because we talked about, remember, like, right, right when McCall Hardman said, we said, all right, what's, what's McCall Hardman's legacy, right? What does it look like? How do you remember his time? And I asked Frank Clark this question last night at meeting night because I was curious how it would be perceived for him. Like, hey, this might be your last game in Kansas City. How would you think about your time in Kansas City? And the way he put it to me was almost exactly how I would have described it. He's like, you know what? There have been some really incredible times, and I thought I've played great at times, and there's times I thought I played bad, and there were some bad times. I don't, yeah, I don't even and think he like, said played bad. He goes, I've done some good things. I've, done, I've done some, some bad, bad things. things. Yeah. Like both on, you know, like if you could make the argument for on and off the field, right? Because he missed two games this season for a suspension for an arrest back in L.A. But it's, that's his, it's a complicated legacy, so, but he's going to, he's, Shouldn't he be, like, of all the guys during this run, he has been the most consistent playoff performer for them across the board outside of maybe Mahomes. And, and I think you make an argument for that. Kelsey's been damn good. Yeah, he's pretty much 10 catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown every game. The difference is you've gotten those guys on offense. You, you've, you've had those two. You have had Tyreek Hill. You have had... Even like when you go back to the Super Bowl in 2019, Damian Williams, at the, you, you could make a strong argument. He should have been Super Bowl MVP in that game. You gotten plenty of those guys on offense. Haven't gotten many of those guys on defense, except for Frank Clark. Dan Sorensen, the other one? Is that the right. other playoff hero? But the, yeah, exactly. Playoff hero because he made a couple of plays in a game or he made a big play in this game. Frank Clark is the only one who has been a consistent, emphasis on consistent, playoff performer that is the biggest difference and that is why when you talk about his legacy and how he will be remembered here his legacy will be playoff frank man that's I think, it i think that there's so much to this when we talk about where and, and how we think about his time is you got to go back to the initial trade because there's one thing that i think absolutely has to die every time i bring up like now i'm like hey you know the chiefs could use another defensive end you know they'd be like oh you want to do the frank clark trade again Hell yes! What are you talking about? Who wouldn't go back and do that trade right now? Go back in your time machine. You you don't want him? Under what circumstances? He averaged like seven sacks a season for you. It's not great, but it'll get the job done. He was your best defensive player in a winning Super Bowl run. He has a chance to be one of your better defensive players in another winning Super Bowl run. In the four years since you've had him, you've been to three postseason. Like you've been to three Super Bowls. How bad could it have been? I would do that trade again in a minute. If they said, hey, we need another defensive end, we're going to go out, we're going to give our first-round pick, and we're going to pay a guy $100 million. Sounds good to me. Worked just fine the last time. It's not just – and just fine feels like it's always under putting it. That trade was great. I know there's been times when you felt like, was it great? It was great. It helped you get where you are. You do not win the Super Bowl in 2019 without Frank Clark. It just doesn't happen. And Chris Jones was great in that AFC title game. Frank Clark's been good in both. 
Like in both games. Like yeah. I just don't like. I, I mean, last back. last year was the only year where Clark didn't have a great postseason. Right? Yeah, and they fell short. Yeah, but nobody on the defense stepped up. It's not like it was just Frank Clark. So that I think that is it. Is we ultimately, if you want to talk about five years from now, we can we can try and have this conversation today. But fast forward five years from now, ten years from now, when Frank Clark's retired or he's playing for another team, and then we do look back on his time in Kansas City. That is going to be the moment when we start to say, okay, is this guy a Chiefs legend, right? Is this one of those guys that we're going to remember for 15, 20 years? And if he has another, imagine if he gets a sack or a sack and a half or a f- recovered fumble, forced fumble, whatever, dude. If he make, he'll, be a, he'll be untouchable in this city. He will. He will. And I think the reason why there's been this roller coaster of conversations about Frank Clark is because – he has been so lackluster in the regular season, and even though we all would admit that you make your legacy and you make your name for yourself based off what you do when the games matter the most, when you're in the postseason, we still have to get through the regular season. And we are very reactionary during the regular season. And when you see a guy underperform game after game after game, and you got six days until the next game, you do start to, especially when you're losing or the defense isn't performing well, you kind of start playing the blame game. You want to start pointing fingers. Whose fault is this? And then you're like, he makes $100 million, so him probably. Last year, his cap hit was, what, $28 million? Yeah. He was the, last year, Frank Clark was the highest paid defensive player in the NFL. And what do you have, five sacks? Four and a half sacks? And then four and a half. And then Andy told him, you sucked. Like he didn't put it, he put it much nicer. He's like, "You suck this year. Do better." So when you lose, you're better than that so because that's and that was the talk he needed. So when you lose, when you don't win the Super Bowl, and your defense isn't great, and you start looking for guys to blame, the easiest thing to do is to point to the guy who's making twenty nine million dollars and got you four and a half sacks and say, "This guy sucks. Get him out of town." But now all of a sudden, another ho hum regular season. Puts up what now? Two and they have two and a half sacks through two games in the postseason. Ten and a half sacks in eleven games in For his Chiefs, Chiefs playoffs <laughs> career. That is an absurd pace, an an absurd pace. And if you would have told me when the Chiefs traded for him and signed him to that massive contract extension four years ago, that this is the this is going to be the final product. Take it all in. Take the bad regular seasons. Take the great postseasons. There is, not some a of the Chiefs, time, yeah. there is not a Chiefs fan on this planet that would not take that deal. And if you look at it in that context and then you add on top of it that that may result in two rings, yeah, I don't think it's hyperbole to say this guy's a Chiefs legend. I really don't. No. And, and it's one of their better tra- – like, it's one of the best trades in their franchise's history. Like, I know that you don't think that way because you had to pay him. You're like, what do you mean? We paid him. We only got him for like a year. Okay, how about this? How about this? Who will have the great – who will be remembered more fondly for their time in Kansas City? Let's assume this is Frank Clark's last game. Who will be remembered more fondly in Kansas City? Frank Clark or Tyron Matthew? Frank Clark. Tyron Matthew, he burned – like, Frank Clark, if, the, if he just goes out, he's going to go out being, like, full of swagger, happy as a clam, Love my time. No big deal. Tyron out, we went out weird, man. Like, it didn't mean to, but, like, his final season left a bad taste in your mouth. If, if the final game for Frank Clark is he wins a second Super Bowl and he's out there with James Palmer or Josh Klingler, right, if he's just standing on the sideline after the Super Bowl win, 
just absolutely dropping lines forever, then, dude, he's going to go down. Because that's the thing about Chiefs history. And it kind of sucks, and this is the whole – this probably goes back to the first conversation of what we were talking about last week, which is you want to talk about Chiefs legends. All these guys are way more legendary than all the other guys, okay? The last, like, 40 years, you got to get to Lynn Dawson to find the, the better legends, you wow, know? that's a little disrespectful. It's not – It's it, look, it doesn't take away from, like, Derek Thomas or some of these other guys. They're going to go down, but there's very few, Nick. It's a handful okay. of guys. Okay, this is They s- didn't go anywhere. They didn't play deep into these things. These guys will become the I heroes. Know, I know what your answer is going to be, and it's going to sound blasphemous. If the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, who will be remembered more fondly for their time in Kansas City? Frank Clark. Oh man, this is gonna sound so. It's gonna. You're gonna. Give me you know what I'm gonna one. say? That's Tyree Kill. I still think it's Frank Clark. Wow. I don't. I want the text line. I want the text line. Thought nine one three five eight six seven six ten. If the Chiefs win the Super Bowl this year, and let's imagine Frank Clark has another good game. Let's imagine he gets, gets another sack. sack. Who will be remembered more fondly for their time in Kansas City? Frank Clark with two rings, all the postseason success, pretty much nothing in the regular season, or Tyree Kill, who obviously was an all-pro, top of the game at his position for three years, but left early, didn't win the second ring. I still, because, and this is the other thing, from a fan sentiment perspective, Tyreek out here talking about how Tua throws the most accurate ball and stuff. He kept talking. I don't think Frank Clark's ever going to leave. He's just going to remember. He's going to be like, man, Kansas City, what a ride. That's all he's ever going to say hey, about it. Hey. He's never going to be anything negative. Hey, man, okay. Um, okay. Um, yeah, keep, keep the answers coming because we'll rehash this conversation later in the show. So I want to know uh, what you guys think in Kansas City. Frank Clark with two rings, Tyreek Hill with one ring. Who gets remembered more fondly? Sal Palantonio walked by us. Andy hates him. Andy hates him. So what do we need to do to Sal on behalf of Andy? Tripping? Spill coffee no, on him? I don't think, no. Andy's not going to resort to physical violence. Demean him? Andy's Call him by the wrong name? See how he reacts? Oh, you're that reporter. Um, he's God, what? To, he's about to walk by. Wait, are you serious? Yeah. Again? Like right behind me? Yeah. Oh, man. Awkward. Okay, now you're good. He's walking. <laughs> he's like okay. right behind me. Okay, I dude. I think him. we say. I call him we, by the wrong name? No, let's just call him a hack. We'll say you're a hack. Or let's just say it like, but we don't even know he's there. You know what? I don't know. You know who I haven't seen yet this week? Sal Palantonio, who I heard is a hack. Wow. He didn't turn around. But we're going to try. You didn't yell that loud enough. Well, I, it's hard with the headphones on. When he comes back through, let's okay. just say it again. Let's try to get him, like, cranking his head, t- taking a look and be like, I'm sorry, did someone just call me a hack? I haven't seen him yet this week, but on half of Andy, that guy's a hack. Okay, yeah, what are you going to do about it? Huh? You imagine you're getting a fist fight with Sal Palantonio? I have a right hard around? time believing If Sal he Palantonio. threw a punch, would you throw a punch back right away? To Sal Palantonio? Yeah. Or would you be like, hey, man, it doesn't have to come to this? What's yeah, your initial the, reaction to Sal Palantonio? He throws man. a punch at you. I would, be, I would get him thrown out. You <laughs> get Sal. That's, that's man, actually doing Andy a favor. Be like, I can't believe you did that, Sal. I'm telling the cops. This and, is assault. And I'll be the bigger man. I'll say, hey, man, I'm not, I'm not getting tossed out of my first radio row. Especially no Alex. That'd be perfect. Alex is sick. In, it isn't just you the rest of the week. Be like, okay, so Alex is sick with a stomach bug, and Nick has been thrown out of Radio Row for fighting Sal Palantonio. My name's Cody Tapp, and I'll be doing four hours every day. Don't know what we're going to be doing, but welcome to the show. It'd be, a great, it'd be a great headline. By the way, um, we're, uh, just based off of uh, the text line, it is like unanimous Frank Clark. Everyone is answering. I've, I've seen a couple people saying Tyreek. 
but I would say it's about 95% of people answering Frank Clark. Does that surprise you? Uh, the only – no, because I said it's Frank Clark, but the part that gets me is Tyree Kill will end up being a Hall of Famer. We don't know that about Frank Clark. You know, Willie McGinnis is the all-time postseason sack leader. He's not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. You can be the Hall of Very Good, right, which might be what Frank Clark's career, most likely, Frank Clark's career ends up being. But, no, I'm not surprised. People like Frank Clark. He's fun. He's a great quote. He loves his team, and he says energetic, fun things after they hold up big trophies, man. And if they do that again on Sunday, I don't know how he's not going to be the hero. Coming up in 20 minutes, Clark Hunt, CEO and president of the Kansas City Chiefs. He'll join us coming up in just a few. Plus, J.J. Piccolo is also set to join us here live from Radio Row as we are brought to you by Ray Gun. We're going to continue this on. There is one player who can cement their legacy this week, and it's not the guy you think it is. Cody and Gold live here in Arizona, brought to you by Ray Gun and Baker University. Again, Alex Gold down. Couldn't make it to media night last night. Couldn't make it to the show today. Fairness, we 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 told him to stay home today. We weren't trying to get him sick. And, and let it be known that Alex was a hero last night. He wanted to go to media night. He wanted to help us do stuff. And he said, I can't. I can't get the Kansas City Chiefs sick, which seems wise. He also probably doesn't want to get Clark Hunt sick, who's set to join us, coming up in 15 minutes as well. But I had teased before the break that there was one player who I thought could cement their legacy, and it's not the kind of player you have. And it also just so happens to probably not be the player you were expecting mattering as much in the matchups of this game as they actually do. And that guy is Jalen Watson. Jalen Watson, from the very beginning of the season, from the onset, had already clearly jumped ahead of Joshua Williams in the depth chart front, which was probably surprising to most people. And then as the season went on, you found out just how much they were going to rely on him. Jalen Watson had a pick against Jacksonville, had a pick against Cincinnati. If he has an interception in a winning Super Bowl effort, we're just talking about hero stuff. That's it. And honestly, at this point, it seems pretty clear to me that based on the guys that Philadelphia's going to be rolling out, I'm pretty sure that the guy they're going to test is Jalen Watson. The way it's been working here in the league in the matchup department here lately is Trent McDuffie is the guy they kind of have a void. I know it doesn't sound like they should because he's a rookie, but he's become more of the shutdown-style corner. He hung really well with Jamar Chase for a majority of the game against them. He did really well against the wide receivers for Jacksonville. He is the kind of corner at this point that people have started to avoid at all cost, almost in a way. You know LeJarrius need just as long as the concussion's fine, which I kind of assume it will be, but a long way. And then when you get to Jalen Watson, you're like, okay, what's him? He's going to be the test guy. As deep as the wide receivers are for, you know, for the Eagles, you're going to need Jalen Watson in order to have a big game if you're going to really count on whether or not they're you know, going to actually win this thing. From a matchup perspective, I'm pretty sure that what's going to happen here is they're going to actively try to work to get him cemented into another area. And the way that I think that the best way to do this is is to isolate Jalen Watson. But the fact that he has become this playmaker, I know it's maybe not a true ball hawk, like the kind of guys you'd think of like, okay, Marcus Peters, eight interceptions a game, whatever these things are going to go in there. But I do really think, honestly, at this point, you have to assume that Jalen Watson is going to be the person that they, you know, that they focus on the most. But, Nick, I really do. At this point, I honestly believe that he can legacy build himself in a way that I didn't think even possible 
Going into the postseason, I wasn't really sure. Certainly not into the year as he's a seventh-round pick. But Jalen Watson has way more on the line than most players you would ever think. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, not more on the line. It's like you can just – you've already made history. He can cement himself. You've already made history. You are a <laughs> – you are a second – or seventh-round draft pick who now was, like, thrust into a starter's role, not just with the McDuffie injury, but also with the uh, Rashad Fenton being traded to Atlanta. So the idea that as a seventh-round rookie you made – one of the biggest picks of the year in what ultimately helped you win the game versus San Diego or the Chargers back in week three. Yeah. And in back-to-back playoff games, you made a basically game-sealing play against Jacksonville and another huge pick against Cincinnati. If he gets a if he gets a pick, let's just say that, if he gets a pick, because that's how we judge cornerbacks, if he just has a good game where nobody really goes off, we're not going to talk about him. But... If he gets an interception in the Super Bowl, legend, <laughs> Chiefs legend. Well, to me, Chiefs it's like playoff legend. It, it becomes like the, the Malcolm Butler. The thing. Mal- that's exactly it. It's Malcolm Butler. Like you, you stand next to the truck, right? Because they're like, "That's our guy, right? Give him the truck." He's the one player that can just be the player you mention forever. And I understand that there's always going to be some ancillary players that get mentioned amongst Super Bowl runs. 20 years later, 25 years later, look, it happens with the Royals, right? We still mention Christian Cologne, right? Because of his wild card game heroics. Whatever. Those things happen, and they will continue to happen for a number of players. But Jalen Watson's already got a huge foot up because his development over the course of the season is one of the bigger reasons why they are even capable of being in this spot at this stage because it wasn't supposed to be plausible for him. And he's really important from a matchup standpoint against Philadelphia because I'm telling you, that's who they're going to test. Over and over and over again, over and over and over again, they're going to test. They're going to ignore Trent McDuffie. They're going to pick on LeJerry Sneed a little bit, depending on the spots, because they'll throw to A.J. Brown no matter what. And then they're going to try to find Jalen Watson, and they're going to ask the question about whether or not he's a player can show up. But what's weird about it is testing him in a big moment is very dangerous. This season, he has three of the most important interceptions for the Chiefs this year. When you talk about the Cincinnati game, for sure, then you go back to the Chargers on the pick six on Justin Herbert to seal that game. That, all of those, ended up being some of the most important plays across the board, and that's why we're having this conversation. Jalen Watson ends up being a critically important player in this matchup because of, you know, some of it's because of the legacy stuff we're talking about, but a lot of it is because of those exact things that we were, you know, leading into about how they're going to play against him. There's another player that I am curious about, whether or not they can repeat the kind of success they had And honestly, I think this is a very fair question. Alex and I, yesterday, before he got sick and went down with, uh, I don't know, whatever stomach buck he's got, Nick. But either way, it doesn't feel good. When, whatever, before he went down, I had asked him the question, do you think MES could do it twice in a row if he had to? Like, is it it plausible? Do you think that he can have that kind of game? Can he go six for 115 and a touchdown again? Let's talk about exactly what he did, you know? He, it wasn't just the... He, he caught one at the line of scrimmage where he took it upfield for a big gain. He had the one – the best play of the game wasn't even the touchdown reception. It was the Mahomes deep ball where he sort of sailed it a little bit and the readjustment in between two defenders for him to change the direction he was going and go full extension for that grab. That's the best play Mar- Marquez Valdez-Scantling has made in a Chiefs uniform. Maybe the play of his life. Touchdown reception was great, but that was a – 
that was a one-of-one one throw from Mahomes. It was. The readjustment catch. And that's what we've talked about with MVS all season long, which is he gives you everything. He will, he will have games where it's a drop, and he will have games where he can go off and make big plays like that. Like, he only catches circus catches, but also the routine stuff he's going to drop. That's the full experience. And we got the upper, upper, upper echelon of what the MVS experience can be. You're asking me, am I going to get it two in a row? You're asking me, is the roulette wheel going to land on green twice in a row? I don't love my chances. See, that's the thing. I really hate that because it kind of matters that he does a little bit, Nick, because they might be without Juju Smith-Schuster. I know Kadarius Tony last night said, I'm 100% playing in the Super Bowl. But I'm sure any player at this stage of the, the game says that, right? I'm sure they all say that, Nick. They're all like, yeah, no doubt. I'm 100% playing in the game. They'd never stop me from playing in the Super Bowl. I'm, you know, but that's also not how this works necessarily. You're not going to be guaranteed the fact that just because you think you're going to play, that that's actually how this is going to go down. And I think that, that it scares me a little, I'll be honest, because I, I think you need one more wide receiver as a safety net in this situation. I understand you can just lean on Frank or lean on Travis Kelsey, lean on Travis Kelsey, lean on Travis Kelsey. And if there's a part of the Eagles defense that is susceptible, it is the middle of the field. That's where you can take advantage of them. Similar to how Cincinnati attacked the Chiefs two matchups ago, not in the AFC title game. You can go after them right in the middle of the field, and you can beat them up over and over and over again. But with Travis Kelsey and the way that this is all going to, you know, like you can't just do him again. That's the only thing the Eagles are going to think about stopping, right? Why would you even consider doing anything else right now? Be like, until you prove Juju or Kadarius Tony or those guys are healthy, I'm just, you know what I'm going to yeah. do? I'm just going to focus in on Travis If Kelsey. you're the Eagles defense, are you paying much attention to MVS? No. Are you going into this game thinking we got to slow this guy down? What's funny is um, Andy really described this, or maybe it was, it might have been Eric Bieniemy, um, underrated part of this matchup, and the what I think people, if you like, if you're an Eagles fan, and you don't understand how this works. MVS and Travis Kelsey play off each other way more than you think. Like you know, you're like, wait, those two guys aren't connected. They are. They're significantly connected because the way they run MVS is behind, deep Travis Kelsey all the time. So you are forced into these decisions. Your decision is, do I let MVS, one of the faster players in the NFL, get deep one-on-one with a safety, or do I, Nick, give up the middle of the field for maybe 15 yards, maybe 20, maybe it won't go as well to Travis Kelsey? And more often than not, because you're like, the lesson for the Chiefs forever was don't let them get deep, don't let them get deep, don't let them do that, was to give up on the MVS side of things and instead go to Travis and instead go to Travis Kelsey. I don't think if I were the Eagles, and I told you this earlier, I don't understand, and I hope that no team figure this out, I don't understand why teams haven't readjusted to what the Chiefs are now, which is dare them to go deep. And I think it's because people are fearful that'll get you beat faster. Because it, it will. If it you will. lose, it will get you beat faster. Well, but if the deep pass doesn't get complete, Nick, then the drives are going to end quicker. Okay, but think it's about a this. risk. It's a gamble. But, but I get think it. about those two options, right? And it's the same reason why the Bengals won the AFC Championship game last year. It is, we could just beat you right now. Or we could take four quarters and then hopefully play mistake-free football. At, what, at, what, at some point, we probably will make a mistake, and if we do that, then you're back in the game, right? It's the same reason why teams like the Warriors want to shoot threes. Because the volatility 
yes, if you if you miss, if you go three for 30, three for 28, you're probably going to lose the game. But if we go 12 of 29, we're going to beat you, and we're going to beat you pretty handily. That is why the Chiefs, that's, that's why the Chiefs go for the deep ball. That's why the Chiefs have gone for the deep ball. And now that that's not there, they have to kill you with a thousand paper cuts. And they make mistakes, or at least earlier in the well, season. Everybody you get, does. They're well, not making mistakes now. Well, yeah. The strategy of, oh, Kansas City will screw it up, that strategy's not a good anymore, right? Cody, I think, I think teams have probably thought about this. I think defensive coordinators have considered this. But you, we've officially got I know. Them. I like that I'm like, I, I have a plan for you. Yeah. And you should listen to me. No, They're like, I, I, hey, man, I'm really successful. It turns out. No, I think we've officially got to the point where there's not a great strategy to employ. Last year, we, last year defensive coordinators found one. That's just what the NFL is. Punch, counterpunch, punch, counterpunch. The NFL punched back last year. The rest of the league punched back. Andy Reid has hit him with the counterpunch this year, and I don't think that we have found what that readjustment is going to be. It may take until next year. And, and may, or maybe, the Philly, maybe Philly will show you something in the Super Bowl that the rest of the league is going to try mimic. But as of right now, the rest of the league has not found a good counterpunch for what the, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and this offense have done this year. Why are you smirking? I'm just laughing that at the idea that if – imagine if they just, like, add a superstar wide receiver. Then what the hell do you do? Good luck. Well, they had one before. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, but they hadn't figured out the counterpunch. Now they know how to play, and what if they add a star? Right? I mean, yeah. it's just – it's really as simple as that. Okay, so we look, can we peel the curtain back just a little bit here? Sure. Clark Hunt should be joining us momentarily. Yeah, I believe we're going to go to break here soon. That way we got plenty of time with Clark and Ryan Leaf, who are both set to join us in the next segment. And also um, – I believe one of our very special guests is having trouble getting in the building. <sighs> yeah. Are He's a very special luck? guest. Are you having any luck getting him in? I've sent him many, many messages. Do you need to go up there and help him? Yeah, and you know why I need to go up there and help him? Why? I may have sent him the wrong email last night. Oh, Nick. Oops. Which email did you send him? The one that didn't help at all. It wasn't like a bad email. It just wasn't a good email. Oh my Does God. that make any sense? Yeah, yeah. It's, so it's a bad email. So I might as well have like sent him an email from in hieroglyphs. I may, I might as well have sent him an email that like from Experian telling me my credit score is. Well, then you might as well apologize to him when he gets here. I will apologize right. to him. Obviously, I'm going to apologize to him. Can we tell the Can we tell the listeners who it is? Yes. That guest? Yeah, it's not a big deal. It's not like he's super, super important, but. <laughs> He is technically the general manager of the Royals, J.J. Piccolo. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to take a break. We're live here at Radio Row on Cody and Gold, brought to you by Ray Gunn and Baker University. When we come back, CEO and President Clark Hunt will join us here on Cody and Gold. Cody and Gold.